you see someone that you know and they ask you how you are and you just have to say you're fine you're not really fine but you just can't get into it because you would never understand <laughs> hello and welcome to hidden among us hello hello everyone Episode 11. That's right. Right after our special National Day episode. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Which we yeah, didn't sh- record too long ago. What? What? We didn't record too long ago. It's like almost just... a week. It's almost a week. Yeah. Oh my god, it felt like a few days. I know what you It mean, felt like two yeah. days or something. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a really fun episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. It is, because yep, yep. it's so team and close to home. Yep. Okay, um, what else happened? How was the National Day celebrations? It's our first time that there's no, like, per- how do I explain it? Like, there's parade, no, like, like actual, actual concert. Parade, yeah. yeah. What do y'all think? Don't you have, I like, mean... a lot to say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every year I do this thing where, like, I watch the National Day Parades and then I, I rate them, like, I review them. This year, I felt like it was a 3 out of 10. I didn't like Whoa. this year's one. That's really low. Yeah, it's really low. I really didn't enjoy the celebrations this year. I mean, okay, the thing that I liked was, I, I thought it was kind of cool that all the... What's the thing called where they brought in all the tanks and stuff? So actual uh-huh. The mobile column? Yeah, the mobile column. I thought the mobile column, like, among, like, neighbourhoods was kind of cool. Although, like, mm-hmm. we are very privileged that we can see these things and not feel frightened yes, exactly, about our exactly. lives or anything. Mm-hmm. And people can argue that that having all our military stuff come in between, like residential areas is kind of problematic but I personally thought it was kind of cool because it's like um you you don't you never have the opportunity to see them up close and it's kind of yeah, that's right, it's yeah. really nice to see all these Singaporeans like come out to, like look at it in awe because like you know these are like giant tanks and stuff and, and I you, guess kids yeah, will be like quite excited yeah it's exciting to see um I thought that the red lions landing nearby residential areas was also really cool like, mm-hmm. I thought the morning segment was, like, really interesting, um, really, like, well done, in a way, because mm-hmm. they also did, like, this whole, like, um, video along with, the video that's interspersed with the live um, showing of all these things, and I thought, like, I mean, in true traditional Singaporean, Singapore sense, the videos is, like, very heartwarming and... It's meant to catch mm. you right in the feels and very like propaganda. But I just thought mm. that the entire way they did it was done quite well. And I really like the way the videos are produced as well. Mm-hmm. That was pretty mm. cool. My only issue comes in with the concert because <laughs> I okay, so one of my favorite things about um National Day is when you go on Twitter, people are memeing the hell out of it. And yeah, I came across sure. this tweet where somebody said, um, this National Day concert is called COVID-19 the musical. And literally, <laughs> yeah, that was what it was. Like, from the beginning, it was all these... The entire concert opens up with this really sad performance. And I'm, I was just there like, why? I mean, I understand why they want to mm-hmm. go for like this solemn thing. You know, you want to pay respect to the fact that like, the world is going through this pandemic. But mm-hmm. I thought that like, midway through, it would, like, crescendo into, like, this hopeful, upbeat thing. But it mm-hmm. didn't. And it was just full of, like, sad performances. And I don't know if anyone... So yeah, and I don't know if anyone else agrees with me. But I feel like, for some reason, there's, like, this over... Indul- not overindulgence. Like, there's a lot of rap thrown into these um concerts. For no mm-hmm. reason at mm-hmm. all. I don't understand why you need to have rap like so much of rap <laughs> and also last year um the concert was supposed to be like uh like a tribute to our Merdeka generation you know our previous generations our all our grandparents and then 90% mm-hmm. of the concert was rap 
And every time the camera panned towards the ministers or the crowd, right, you could see like this <laughs> disconnect with them. And yeah. I was like, what? And this year was the same thing. Like you have like these nice songs and suddenly like a rapper comes in. And I guess they yeah. tried to diversify it. So there were like raps in different languages this year. Mm-hmm. As well. But I was just <laughs> like, why? I I yeah. just Yeah, but my biggest gripe with the celebrations this year was the fact that I would have liked it if it was more hopeful. Like there was this sense of like energy and like hope that you give Singaporeans like, hey, we can tie through this together instead of like focusing on like the sad, sad, solemn parts. I mean, it is a very sad, devastating situation. Like mm-hmm. thousands, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives. But I feel like for National Day, it's important to at least encourage your citizens, like everyone that, you know, no matter how bleak mm-hmm. the situation is, right? as long as you push through as a nation, we can tide through the crisis. And I felt like the National Day Parade, I mean, the National Day Concert this year was just a miss on that. Yeah. But that Hossein Leong was so good. But that's also because like, I saw. his theatre background really shows. But he was really, really like one of the highlights of um, the celebration this year. Mm. Yeah, so that's my National Day review and rant. Um, I watch every year and every year I feel like I just like I can't remember much about like I can't remember instances where I genuinely enjoyed myself wow um, yeah because I feel like the older um National Day parades were like super hype and super fun you know then like in recent years I feel like they're trying too hard to be like artsy and stuff Mm. Okay. Yeah, fair I don't enough. know how to. But I don't really watch, so I can't really see anything. Yeah, I so watch it every I'm... year. But oh yeah, also this year was kind of cool because like Singaporeans all over the world who are in countries where like they can't leave, yeah. everyone sort of did like their own little mini, like, um, pledges and stuff. It's kind of cute. Yeah, I saw the quite... one in New York, and it was like, was it New York? Somebody's in America, and they were like standing out in like an open area and they were doing yeah, the pledge. Yeah, it's probably in New York. Yeah, it was kind of cute. I was just like, oh, I didn't even watch any elements of this year's um, National Day because my house doesn't have television but also, so, um, in terms of pat- patriotism to Singapore, I'm like, I'm there but not <laughs> there, there enough to watch a full parade. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I found the fireworks thing very interesting Yeah, because like my sister was cool. My sister managed to leave the house to like look at the fireworks, which I found, you know, that's that's kind of fun. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so it was an interesting it. element to bring fireworks to people. But, you know, I just also felt like everything was just like so inappropriate considering like the current situation that we're in. Because yeah. like I would be like walking, because I, I had worked that day mm-hmm. and that meant that... um that I had to go out. So, like, I was just watching people crowd on the streets and that made me feel so uncomfortable, like, with the fact that we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but somehow, just because of National Day, like, people assume that the COVID virus decides to stop. No, no, I agree with you. Like, watching the mobile column in the morning as well, like, people were just gathered in crowds. So, like, no social distancing. Just because mm-hmm. you have a mask on doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you are exempt from social distancing and that you're, like, mm-hmm. somehow protected. Yeah, so, but also shout out to the food vendor guy. I oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my I god. Lied his wife. Day. <laughs> his wife was sharing it on Twitter. Like yeah, just like <laughs> it's really cute. Yeah, it was really, really cute. Also, like for real though, food panda really heroes during <laughs> the circuit breaker. Food panda mm-hmm. or great food. Let's get this done and over. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't order from any of them. Oh. So I can't really... Like, I hardly ever order food in. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yep. Okay. I order food a lot. What about you, Honda? I'm impartial. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a yeah, food panda girl. Yeah, so I don't order much. Like, I don't deliver oh. much. Oh. So, oh, Shen, okay. for yep. you, 
What is your review? Food Panda. Food Panda all the way. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I hate Grab because it's the delivery is so expensive. But you know, Food Panda, if you're listening to this, I don't mind a sponsorship. Nice. Food Panda, sponsor us. I am tired <laughs> of... um. I am tired of looking for promo codes and spending $18 just to get free delivery. Oh, no. Yeah, Does Food Panda have, like, a wider range of food as well? Um, I would say Grab would probably do. But, like, it's not to a point where I cannot find anything that I want. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty equal, though. Yeah, like, it's it's okay. It's okay. Okay. Well... Yeah. Food Panda, if you're listening out there, drop us an email. <laughs> Hidden among Shen us like. three at gmail.com. Please, we love <laughs> to like, just as, like a partnership. <laughs> yeah, Shen, Shen would like some like, free promo codes. <laughs> I would support you. You earn money through that. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so this week has been pretty boring. It's been pretty tiring actually because of the semester. Semester just started. Yeah, semester just started. Oh. And we're already tired. <laughs> I've taken, yeah. I took two naps today, guys. Two naps. And I, I'm somebody who takes zero naps in a day. I was exhausted. Man. Yeah, I feel like we've been so used also to like the whole circuit breaker, stay at home situation. It's kind of tough now. Yeah, it's very difficult to reintegrate ourselves into like right. school studying I don't know yeah. must be so odd yeah and like yeah, I actually want to go to school mm-hmm. yeah I feel like you're forced to actually engage with your lectures and stuff if you're in school like at home like mm-hmm. you're just chilling you I know, feel like, like tutorial is gonna be so awkward oh my god yes I haven't because had a tutorial yet but I mean, yeah, but like, the whole sem is going to be like this. Like, you don't even really get to know your classmates. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I had my professor who forces you to turn on camera and try to interact with the entire class because I can't deal with that. 45 mm. people, you know, 45. <laughs> it's okay. This feels so different on, on like, online. Yeah. Also, like, there's a lack of motivation. I don't feel motivated at all. Mm-hmm. The the thing I enjoy though is like the ease of getting online. Like you don't <laughs> have to like go to you don't have to travel to school. You just mm-hmm. travel from one room to another. Yeah, you roll out of bed. <laughs> so I'm I'm enjoying that part. I'm enjoying the whole like scheduling of stuff. Like I have a lot of time for myself. Mm, yes. Yeah. That's good. I but at the same time, it's tiring. Because then you think you have so much time on your hands. Yeah. I feel like that could, <laughs> that could hit me in the future. Yeah. It's one of those like deceptive things where like you think that you have time and then it comes to a certain point where you realise that even that is not enough time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, completely yeah, understand. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I did some really interesting research uh, on a topic that I feel like we haven't covered. We or like a crime covered. topic we haven't covered yet. Really? You want to try guessing? Covered. We've covered cannibalism. We've covered like child murders. We've covered, mm-hmm. I guess last week, incest as well. We've covered like um, religious-ish ritualistic killings as well. Mm-hmm. Family murders? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it's a family side. Yeah, exactly. Mm. How? How do I guess things like this? Then in real life, you ask me to guess like mundane, normal things and I'm not able to guess anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Family it's a murders. Thing. I'm yeah, I feel Taurus like I was cancel. looking for teams that we really haven't like touched on. I found some really interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because um, yeah. this morning I was listening to another podcast and the crime story was also like a family murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one's a straight mm. up family murder. It's it's kind of cool, but kind of insane. Oh, yeah. Family yeah. murders, I feel like kind of insane in general. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So okay, so it's a food damn family. Okay, like there are children involved in this as well. Oh no! So basically, the the mom and the dad um named Christopher Lee Watts and Shannon. No, um, I'll just call her Shan. No, this is the Chris Watts murder, isn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my sorry, god! You know sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Um. Okay. 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 But um, I. I watched like a YouTube series thing on the Chris Watts mm-hmm. murder like a long, 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 long time ago. So I can't really mm-hmm. remember the details, but the name Chris Watts is very familiar and I know that he killed his family. Yeah, but yes. I don't remember the details after that. Okay. Okay, I'm excited. I'm s- <laughs> I'm glad you know this story because like when I read this story, I was like, whoa, this would be so good. Okay. But yeah. So, both of them were actually natives of Spring Lake and Aberdeen in North Carolina, respectively. So, Chris Watts was Spring Lake and Shen. Okay, I'm just going to say Shan. <laughs> Shan in Aberdeen, okay? I'm going to butcher her name so many times in this because I keep reading her name as Shen. <laughs> so, basically, the two of them met in 2010 and they were married in uh, Mecklenburg County, wherever that is. I'm sorry. Geography major, but I'm not going to count these. Um, so they were married in two thousand. They met in two thousand ten, and they married in two thousand twelve, uh, according to their their records. And they had two daughters, uh, Belle Mary Watts, uh, which she was born two thousand thirteen, and Celeste Catherine C C Watts, who was born in two thousand fifteen. Oh. So, so they they were pretty young lah. So they were like toddler age when you know that the accident happened. So yeah, mm-hmm. the family actually lived in a five-bedroom home in Colorado and they purchased it in 2013. So it's a pretty comfortable, like, suburb kind of, like, home setting. um, Like, very perfect, like, American dream kind of home, mm-hmm. like, how I imagine mm-hmm. it to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, a bit of background for Chris is that he worked in a petroleum company while Shan was an independent representative for a MLM company. Oh, she's selling put a up product called Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I read it, I was just like, I didn't think MLM would be in America, but you know what? MLM it's is the land everywhere, of <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, but but that that's that. So what actually happened was that Shana actually went to Arizona for a business trip on August thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. So this was a pretty recent thing, you know, mm-hmm. like it happened two years ago, like. Exactly, like, close to two years ago. Because, like, August 13th. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. yeah. So, she actually went to Arizona and returned home from a business trip at about 1.48 a.m. Um, and she actually received a ride from a friend and colleague, Nicole Yutov Atkinson. For this story, I'll be just referring um, to this colleague or friend as Atkinson. Um, okay. So, Chris was actually home with the children. Mm-hmm. So, later that day... Shan was actually, Shan and her two children were actually reported missing by Atkinson, who was then a bit concerned when Shan actually missed a schedule with her doctors and failed to return text messages. So she was supposed to meet her op gene to actually check out on her pregnancy, but she totally missed her schedule. So I guess that's a bit unusual because, you know, pregnant mothers hardly miss their op gene because it's really hard to get a slot. And also, like, for anything, mothers will prioritize their babies over everything, right? Yeah. So she didn't turn up for that. And obviously, Atkinson was a bit worried and um, texted her multiple times and she still didn't reply. So, the the turning point for Atkinson was that when um, they actually scheduled a business meeting and she didn't turn up for the business meeting, which I guess would have been really odd because like, she's really missing her option, she's not returning messages and now she doesn't turn up for a business meeting, which I'm guessing that it was very unlike her normal character. Akita was so. her best friend, right? Like you Yeah. So I guess it also <sighs> doesn't make sense if you like miss all these like calls and text messages from your best friend. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a best friend, but it's a friend. I'm not too sure if it's a best friend because like I didn't read anything about stating that like their sta- status or relationship. But yeah. she was definitely a friend and a colleague. Yeah. So they worked in the same company. Yeah. So actually after missing all the messages, Atkinson went to the Watts home. Um, at approximately twelve ten p.m., 
So when the doorbells and knocks were actually unanswered, Atkinson notified Chris, who was at work, and called the Frederick Police Department. So an officer arrived to conduct a welfare check at about 1.40pm, which is about 1 hour and 30 minutes after the call that Atkinson made. Um, and Chris actually went home and talked with the officer and discussed um, like ways to locate his family. Okay. So he was trying to find out like, oh, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I would just imagine like that fake narrative, you know. Mm. Yeah, so doing the welfare check, he gave the police officer permission to search the house. Uh, but there was like zero signs of Shan and their daughters. So the searchers actually discovered that Shan's purse containing her phone keys um, and her car, which contained the children's seats, were all in the house and the garage. Yeah, and her wedding ring was also found on the couple's bed. Oh. So traces of her were home. But she was not home. And Chris actually claimed that he didn't see her. You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, the FBI and the Colorado Bureau of Investigation actually joined the investigation the next day on August 14th. So, I guess it's it's a bit odd, you know, that he has no clue, but then all the traces of his wife and their children are around the house, like they were home. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even right? argue that, like, she ran away with the children because the car and everything was back there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's right. So, so the Chris actually initially told the police that he had no idea where Shan, Bella, or Celeste were at, and he hadn't seen his wife since 5.15am on the 13th, uh, where he left for work. So... Mm. He actually even went to the extent of giving interviews to radio stations outside his house, pleading for his family return. Oh, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it's kind of creepy for me because like, if you really know you murdered your family, why? The, the front is really so hard to put up. It's such an insidious way to cover up for your crime, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's to divert attention away Right? You know, like, you put yourself out there as, like, the broken husband and father mm-hmm, who has mm-hmm. to deal with all this. Like, you're going to gain public sympathy. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that was what he was going for. Yeah. <laughs> so, while he was doing that, the investigators from the local police department, the CBI and the FBI, were actually going through his phone records, which actually showed and um, kind of revealed that he had an affair with one of his co-workers from the Pocholom company. Oh, Mm-hmm. Then I'm on surprised. August 15, right? On August 15, which is two days after his wife and daughter's disappearances, um, Chris actually failed a lie detector test and that's where everything changed. Mm. So I couldn't find what questions they, they, the police actually asked, but from my imagination, I'm guessing that it was prompts on like, um, when, when was the last time he saw her and like, what, what, what was she wearing and stuff like that. You know, the very basic test. Yeah. So he actually failed a lie detector test. And but the I thing mean, is, lie detector tests don't hold up in court anymore. Right? But, but like, they're I, not actually used anyways. Yeah, but the detec- detectives these days still use it as like a tactic to get a confession out Correct. of people. Yeah, because yes. not a lot of people know that. Yes. So, so yeah. So, um, so, when he put a test, obviously, it was a pressure thing for him, really, right? Because it felt like he had been caught, in that sense. Mm-hmm. So, he actually told the police that he would tell the truth if, if he could talk to his father first. Mm-hmm. So, the investigators actually took a gamble and actually allowed him to talk to his father. And, you know, when he was talking to his father, he actually confessed to his dad that he actually had killed his wife. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, after that confession... um the police actually went to find out based on the confession and found Shannon, Bella and Celeste's body exactly where they said they were. They were at the petroleum site with Shan's body in a shallow grave and the two girls' bodies in oil tanks. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. That's madness. Like, he drove them all the way to his workplace. Yeah. But like, oh my god, he put his daughter's bodies in... Right? Oh Yes. So, I'll share a little bit on why he did that. So, in his initial confession, Chris actually told um, the police that he had strangled Shani in a fit of rage after 
um, after watching her smother their two daughters, Bella and Celeste. So she was upset because he had actually t- tried to talk to her about separating and ending their marriage. And she retaliated by killing the girls. Killing the girls. Okay. okay, let me repeat that. She was upset. And because he had tried to talk to her about separating and ending their marriage. So basically getting a divorce. And she retaliated by killing the girls. Okay. So after marriage... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so creepy. Oh what? my god. <laughs> Is it just Siri? <laughs> Wait a sec. <laughs> that's what I heard. Oh no. My FBI agent's telling me things, dude. <laughs> Yo, don't do this. <laughs> I'm gonna repeat that. Okay, but you know, so um, he actually said that um, you know, she retaliated by killing the girls. So after murdering Shan, he actually took the three bodies to the oil site and buried them. So that was his account. So mm-hmm. his original story was that he killed the wife because the wife killed the two kids. Hmm. And then he went to bury the three of them in the same area, in that sense. Which is a bit suspicious if you think about it. Yeah. Because why would she be killing her kids for no reason, you know? No, but it's also like, the... if your wife, if you woke up, or like whatever, let's say he stumbled across his wife killing the two daughters, like, mm-hmm. wouldn't your first... You, okay, let's just say he attacked her or whatever, but your instinct would still be to like call the ambulance or something on your children to see if, like, they could, like, revive them or anything. I feel like mm-hmm. that would be, like, a natural, like, concerned reaction to mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Right? And even so, even the burial thing, like, you wouldn't dump your children's bodies in oil if you love right? them Right? It's a much. very strong way of killing someone. It's like, you almost want to get rid of them. Yeah. It reminded me of the, the one thing that happened in Singapore where, you know, they, there was a dead body in the water tank. At, at um, the um, yeah, the helper's body. Yeah. That, mm. that, 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 like that story stays me. with me. Yeah. That was in my neighborhood. Yeah. Fun <laughs> fact, my, my dad actually knew the, the, the guy Helper. who, the murderer. Oh. Because uh, yeah. my dad likes to befriend like the um foreign workers in our neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so like he, not like they were friends, but he like knew him, like said hi and stuff. Before. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> okay. Get back to the story. Yeah. Before we but diverge so, somewhere. So um in November his story actually changed a bit again. So in court, he actually confessed to killing his wife and daughters and pleaded guilty to all the nine counts against him. So there were five counts of first-degree murder, including two additional counts for his daughter because they were children under 12, mm-hmm. um, one count of unlawful domination of a pregnancy, and three counts of tampering with a deceased human body, because three bodies, right? Mm. Yeah, so he was ultimately sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive and two concurrent for the murders, plus a total of 84 more years for other crimes. Basically, he's just stuck in jail forever. Oh my you God. know, even if, even if he's a cat with nine lives, he will never get out, you know? <laughs> so, so he, yeah. So, he, even though he actually pleaded guilty to all three murders, he never told the real story of what actually happened on the morning of August 13th. Mm. Um, so, he kind of only reviewed it after he was in prison and had a follow-up interview with investigators from the prison and then he reviewed the truth. So what happened was that after fighting with Shan that morning about his wish to separate, Chris actually strangled her to death. And while he was trying to bring his wife's body downstairs, he said that Bella and Celeste actually woke up and came to ask him what was going on. So he actually told the kids that, oh, uh, mom's sick and I'm bringing her somewhere you know, somewhere good for her. And he actually then loaded the ghost and their mother's body into the truck, um, drove to the oil site, and then smothered the girls one by one before disposing of the three bodies. So he actually drove the mom who was already dead and the two girls at the back believing that their mom was sick and then went there and then killed the girls after digging like that grave for the mom. So... I'm just guessing it must have been such a traumatic experience for the kids before they died, you know? Oh my yeah. God. So, 
So that's it. That's the story. Of and and today he's still serving his sentence. His long, 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 long life sentence. And I just thought it was just very, very interesting to think about how family annihilation cases work. Because you know, um. I would think that this kind of cases would have a very strong motivation or motive towards the killing. But yet, this one was mainly just because they had a fight, which is so scary because this is an extreme of like family domestic violence, you know? It's... And, you know, the kids didn't do anything. They were just like, they they saw, Mm -hmm. they didn't even suspect, you know? It's just that, you know, they could have said something wrong and hence he killed the children, which means this person could have zero attachment to his wife and kids in the first place because it's really really extreme for you to kill just because they saw the mother and it's even scarier that he dumped their bodies in oil tanks oh god yeah I feel like it was even more scary because like the mom was at least buried in a shallow grave so in a sense like exposed you know mm. um but the kids the way they died was so I mean, yeah. imagine the crime scene investigators, like, they have to retrieve the body, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. You have to dive into that oil tank. Oh, my God. I've just... I think they just, oh, I think they just like, released the oil. Yeah. I don't think you can dive into a <laughs> tank. Oh, God. No, but like, yeah, but I'm still wondering why he buried his wife in a shallow grave, but put his daughters in an oil tank guilt i don't know it's so weird because okay i would think that guilt would drive him to put the daughters in a shallow grave and the wife in a right right that's that's what i was thinking that's why i was thinking his motive as a killer is so uninteresting like i feel like there's no strong conviction for what he did but yet the the actual murder himself he it's just very extreme yeah it, it could have been he, that he never ever had an attachment to his children at all. Yeah. No, but as you said, like, like it's like a family annihilator. Mm-hmm. I think that was the whole purpose, you know, get rid of the family and then he can go and have his affair with his colleague. But like, yeah. how did he even think that he could get away with it? Because like, it's for like police, they usually look at a uh, husband yes. in these kind of cases. Yes. Because so uh, the number one suspect is yeah number yeah. one suspect is always the someone in the family, not That's an right. outsider or a serial killer. Yeah. yeah, and I actually like knew about this case like firsthand, so like whatever you said wasn't a shock to me. But then a few days ago, I saw it again on my timeline on Reddit. Oh, about oh, there's this, actually this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was actually like a body cam footage like of a policeman of. Um, of like them showing the security footage from the mm-hmm. neighbor's house that neighbor like the friend mm. I think it's that friend like at night he was you can see him like clearing like suspicious stuff into his truck oh. in the mm. middle of the night and he was like looking so uncomfortable and he was like it, it looks like he was saying, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, inside his head. That kind of uncomfortable. Oh god. Mm. Like a sudden killing, right? Oh, I didn't see that. But no, as in like, when he was reviewing the footage, he was oh, like, oh shit, oh okay, shit, oh okay, shit. Okay, okay, okay. Because that's the time when he was clearing the bodies. Oh. Yeah, and actually, the most, the, yeah, the most eerie thing about that part was on the TV, like, I don't know if it was between watching the security footage or like or after or something or before or after or something there was an ad on the TV about a footage like a footage of a fetus like an animated fetus covered in oil oh my god that is so creepy the oh. universe works in strange ways it's so creepy oh my god right the timing though yeah also like I remember that the first time I heard about this case was when I watched it on a YouTube video Mm-hmm. a few years ago okay I have no concept of time but <laughs> the person who um uploaded it um I don't know if the videos are still up but he uploaded the interrogation stuff as well mm. and it's just very creepy it's very eerie yeah yeah also like the body Actually, I, cam uh, footage of okay I vaguely remember this because my memory is so bad but um the body cam 
cameras, I think, captured when they were in the house and Chris Watts was, like, I think trying to, like, figure out where his wife was. And, like, you watch it and in hindsight, because you know he's the one that, like, murdered his entire family, it's just extra creepy and extra eerie. Because he's down mm-hmm. there, like, feigning actual concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the friend was actually there, like, and she was very suspicious of him from the start. Ah. Mm. And when they were reviewing the security footage, when he left the room for a bit, he she told the officers that it's him, that it's definitely him. So like Ooh. that friend was really key to the whole thing. Oh wow! Oh wow! I never knew this. Yeah, like, it's so interesting. Now that we, I mean, it's great that all of us know about this, this story. Yeah, but I forgot wow. most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how old the girls were, though? Um. Well, they were really young. So, <laughs> um, she was born. The younger one was two thousand fifteen. So she died when she was three. Three. Oh yeah, and the other one was two thousand thirteen. So she died when she was five. So five and three. Oh no! I think I don't know if I read this correctly, but the oldest one, like when she was at like the where the workplace his the father's workplace I think she could mm-hmm. sense something was wrong oh no yeah and she wasn't very cooperative with her dad but like you know she still met the same fate anyways mm-hmm <sighs> it's just I mean she's five tragic. like she can't do anything no, she can't do anything and her father is she would have no idea yeah, yeah. but children are very very sensitive to emotions yeah I mean so... especially seeing your mom in the same car not moving not responding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, that must have been so creepy. Right. Okay, I don't know how he brought them there, but the way I'm imagining it is he... Okay, this is probably not what happened, but I'm imagining it this way, but I'm just imagining him strapping his lifeless... Strapping the lifeless body of his wife into like the... Is it a passenger seat? the seat beside yeah. the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah, strapping her in there and then putting the two kids in the back seat. And it's just... Oh, that's just creepy. If I'm not wrong, the body of the mom is on the floor with a cloth covering it. Oh my god. Like, yeah, the back... Oh my god. Wait, so the mother's body was like on the floor of the car? Yeah, you know like the back seats, there's oh. like a floor section. She was there. Oh, oh my god. And there was the cloth covering so oh. then the, probably the kids were on those seats, you know, like the child oh. seats or something. Oh my god, oh my god, they just give me chills. I, to be honest, as a kid, like, knowing my sister's body language, she probably would just keep talking to the mom and not get any response. So they would have no clue what's going on either. Yeah. Especially the three-year-old. Yeah, the three-year-old would probably just not be asking any questions because... I don't think it would. She would have picked up on um emotions yet, cause like I feel like when you're five, you can very easily pick up emotions based on observing facial language. Yeah. Like at least yeah. that's for my sister who's five this year. So when you're angry or when you're sad or something is wrong, she can tell, yeah. and they'll start being extra cautious or clingy. So the five year old must have definitely triggered the dad first. You know, I'm by just, asking questions. I'm just imagining, you know how, like, when children, young children know that their parents are sick, they they will, like, ask, like, Mommy, are you feeling okay? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, they'll show concern. <laughs> oh, my God, I cannot even imagine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make myself cry right now. This is terrible. It's so horrible, right? Yeah, it's a very famous case. So, like, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad he's in jail. Oh, my God. He's in jail for a long, long time. Yep. Chris Watts, you weren't so bright. <laughs> um. Get it? Get it? Because Watts. Yes, I know. <laughs> I'm not even going to entertain you anymore. <laughs> that was a great pun. I have another demonic possession story. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sorry, I just love a good demonic possession story. For some reason, like it doesn't like frighten me as much as like a ghost or NS story. <laughs> I don't know. Oh well. A bit odd. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my my brain just functions that way. 
Anyway, so mm-hmm. this is the possession of George Lukens. Um, you're from England, so I will do this entire story in an English accent. Okay, bye, Chris. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I won't. I won't like leave you all to suffer with that. Okay, so let me just get into the story. Let's jump right in. So George Lukens was born in 1743 and lived in a little village called Yaton, which was like a small town located in the county of Somerset in England. So growing up, he lived like an average life, you know, just just a man in a small rural, rural mm-hmm. town. Um, he was regarded as a really good man. He was religious and just like the rest of his community would go to church weekly. So um, the town <laughs> he lived in was like a very like, religious church going like mm. we we love you Lord Jesus sort of people okay <laughs> I get that he worked as a tailor but was better known for being an actor in a local troupe who performed throughout the year this troupe will put up folk plays and Christmas nativity plays for the community so he was like a budding actor in 1769, George Lukens was performing in a nativity play for the local church. His troupe was invited to a man named Mr. Love's house to perform. Mr. Love was known to be a very hospitable dude, so after the performance, he asked them to stay and drink with him. So that's what George Lukens and the troupe did. They drank and drank and drank and drank and drank with Mr. Love. So they got like freaking blasted, like super drunk. Then what happened was, as they were about to leave, um, Lukens fell over and lost consciousness. When he awoke, George Lukens swore that he had felt a divine slap, causing him to fall <laughs> over. <laughs> After this incident, George Lukens would have episodes of violent fits. Um, remember the last demonic possession story I said? I can't remember what her name was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was also like epileptic fits. That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Body okay, okay. So this would last up to an hour and it would like happen about seven times a day. So he would spend like seven hours in a day like having these episodes. And it was so bad that the church sent assistants to hold him down. Like he was convulsing that violently. Mm-hmm. During the episodes, George declared in a roaring voice that he was the devil. Things get weirder from here lah. So George would make animal sounds like barking. He would sing folk songs in male and female voices. <laughs> and he would recite the... I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I'm going to try my best. He would recite the Te Deum hymn, which is like a form of prayer backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, George would also contort wildly and throw himself around the room. Interestingly enough, like, George wouldn't be able to listen to any, like, religious words or, like, songs or anything and was described as almost driven to madness when he heard it. So, you know, things things weren't looking good for good old Georgie. Mm-hmm. Somehow, despite all this, George was still able to work. Um, it was difficult, mm. of course, because whenever he had an episode, it would incapacitate him for, like, months. Eventually, mm. there was, like, no more hiding from the fact that there was a there was a problem here and George Lukens needed medical help. So, on May 3rd, 1775, with the help of the church to pay his medical bills... By the way, the church, like, paid for all his medical bills. He was sent wow. to St. George's Hospital in Middlesex. Strangely, okay. strangely, while he was in the hospital, he didn't display anything odd or concerning. So there was like no bouts of episodes, no singing folk songs in male and female voices, no barking like a dog. And eventually, like, the doctors were like, okay, like, we don't know what's wrong with you. And one of the doctors actually diagnosed him with hypochondria. So what hypochondria is, is basically an illness where the person believes that they have a serious, undiagnosed illness. So basically, it's like a paranoia that you Mm -hmm. are sick. And on October 8th, 1775, he was actually discharged and labelled as incurable because the doctors had no idea what was going on with him. When he was at the hospital, he was perfectly fine. There was like no... um, 
like episodes at all. But like the moment he uh. returned to Somerset, so after he got discharged, the episodes returned. And he'd swear at religious things, sing in different voices, make an- animal sounds, convulse violently. Mm. So the same things were happening over uh. and over again. Undoubtedly, the church was concerned. So they brought in doctors from different places. <laughs> they brought him doctors from different places, such as like Bristol, Blackwell, Brington. And one of the doctors even prescribed him heavy dosages of l- laudanum. Laudanum? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I say it in a British accent, it makes sense. <clears throat> laudanum! No! <laughs> but, anyway, I was just begging it wouldn't come. Okay, I don't know what... I don't know how to pronounce this. L-A-U-D-A-N-U-M. I think it's laudanum. 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 Stop it. <laughs> that proves to be useless, so it didn't work at all. Um, Another doctor asked George to tell him about witches and their practices to prove that he was possessed. So, I don't know what goes on in 1775, but, like, I think the doctors were running out of options here and they had no idea what was going on with George. Mm. So, desperate, George also sought out some other kinds of doctors. So, you know, like, the spiritual kind. Okay. Like a bit of taboo magic. Um, Actually, I don't know what the... I can't remember what the word for it is. What were they called? Those kind of, like, Shamans, like, something like a shaman, but like witch doctor, the white witch version doctor. of it. <laughs> the doctor. white version of it. Okay, so the yeah, white thing a witch doctor, but mm-hmm. witch doctor. Okay, I'm just gonna call it the white version of a shaman. So he would search up. <laughs> so he would go to like um the white versions of shamans, and one of the practitioners actually told him to like roll up brown paper stick pins into it and burn it in a fire whenever he had like an episode. Others told him that indignant and infirm old people had cursed him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was so convinced that his ailment was supernatural that he once attacked an old lady to draw her blood. I don't uh. know what for, but he attacked an elderly lady and that's not good. George would blame witchcraft for what was happening to him. So in 1787, he told doctors and people from the church that he was possessed by the devil and six other demons. He also (laughs) said that he needed seven um, priests to exorcise him of the demons possessing his body. That's mad. Yeah, that's mad. I was just like, "Mm." all right. On 31st May 1788, a woman named Sarah Barber approached Reverend Joseph Easterbrook, who was the Anglican vicar of Temple Church. Um, she told him about George Lukins, and the pastor was like, okay, maybe I can help him. But mm-hmm. the catch is, this guy has to come all the way to Bristol. So on June... um. I can't remember the date. June 1788. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was a date here. June 7th, 1788, I think. That is old. Yep. George set off with a man named Mr. Jasper Westcote. Um, Easterbrook oversaw him. And what happened was whenever um, George Lukens had an episode, um, Easterbrook would watch to determine if it was indeed a demonic possession or not. Yeah. Okay. Eventually, even the reverend was like, oh yeah, this might be a position. Position. This might be a possession after all. So he called three other priests to meet him at his church. Um, all three priests eventually settled that George Lukens's condition was actually supernatural in nature. But then mm-hmm. they... This one was like really weird. So they stopped meeting with the reverend Easterbrook so that they could cure George themselves. So they basically isolated Easterbrook, even though Easterbrook was a dude who was like, hey, um, I mm. need your help with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually Easterbrook was like, okay, who needs these people? So he went to search for others. So Easterbrook contacted John Wesley, who was from the Anglican Church. At first, John Wesley didn't want to have anything to do with um, this exorcism. But mm-hmm. during this time, Lukens' story was getting a lot of 
media attention. So, mm-hmm. okay, media sounds very modern, but it's like, basically, <laughs> everyone was talking about everybody it. Talking, the, everybody in the town was talking yeah, about it. Yeah, everyone was talking about it. Talk of the town. So, he yeah. basically assembled a team, like, Avengers style. Like, he needed a team. <laughs> and he got one. Oh. Avengers. <laughs> Avengers <assemble>. style. <laughs> this guy was like, priests assemble... And then, like, a whole bunch of them gathered. Priests congregate. <laughs> Priests congregate. Okay, so, uh, Methodist exorcisms actually similar to Catholic ones. So, it usually consists of requesting or commanding the demons to leave, often accompanied by prayers and hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I read somewhere that the Protestant Church or the Church of England, they actually, like, said no to this sort of exorcism which is why like it was common in like Methodist and Catholic ones mm-hmm. anyway that was like in the 1700s and like the whole you know the Protestant Catholic yeah issue was there on May 13th oh the following year I think because like I read this from like several sources and the dates were all like all over the place basically. yeah so um, it was really weird because like on Wikipedia and like this other article that I was sure got their source from Wikipedia like the date <laughs> went back to like 1770 something when like it's already been established that somebody in 1788 went to find Reverend Easterbrook so anyway so let's just assume that it's the following year so 1789 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay so anyway May 13, 1789 all seven Clergyman came to the vestry. Clergyman. Clergyman. <laughs> Go back to the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> That's right, no. Came no, to the stop. vestry room of the Temple Church for the exorcism. Um, they also had eight assistants with them to hold George down should he get violent. Okay, wow, um, that's a lot of freaking people. There's a lot of people. Car. I can't remember the source, but one of them said that actually, like, George wasn't like a large man, he was actually kind of small. But, um, you know, whenever he went into those episodes, he was just, like, so strong, I guess, inhumanly strong that mm. people actually struggled to hold him down. Yeah, I've heard of this mm-hmm. kind of stories before. So they... I mean, actual... Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, carry on, carry on. No, as in actual, like, possessions, yeah, will... Are actually like that in real life. Yeah, maybe I will... Yeah. Add in some, like, real-life witnessing <laughs> of possessions after Ooh, the story. Ooh, interesting. Da-da-da. So, um, where was I? Okay, so, essentially all the clergymen um, began to sing hymns. So, that's how they started this exorcism. So, when they started to sing hymns, George went into an episode immediately and the convulsions basically intensified. His face distorted, his body, like, started to contort in, like, weird angles. One of the clergymen mm-hmm. demanded the spirit to reveal itself. But, like, the demon refused to say. So, the clergyman was like, tell me who you are. And this time, George grinned and in a voice that was a deep, hoarse, hollow, hollow? Deep, hoarse, hollow Mm. tone declared, I am the devil. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh. He'd sing and laugh in male and female voices and kick at the people present there. When asked why it had possessed George, the demon declared that it vowed eternal vengeance on the miserable objects and on those present for daring to oppose him. And then he, the, the mm. spirit goes on to like command its faithful and obedient servants to appear and take their stations. So it's like very ominous. Mm. Okay. And George, George or like the demon you know, the demon in George's body, I guess, <laughs> grew more and more violent until, like I mentioned, it was very difficult for, like, the assistants to hold him down. And I guess that's why you needed eight people. Yeah. And then, as the priests prayed, um, the demon in George, like, sang the tedium. Um, okay. But they sang the tedium to the devil in different voices. And then they changed. So there's this part in the tedium where it goes, we praise thee, O God. They change it to, we praise thee, O devil. We acknowledge thee to be the supreme governor. Oh, wow. That's a bit creepy. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. And like, 
the, mm. the, the, the demon within George would like provoke and taunt the priest. So it would say like, give up, you know, like there's no point in doing this. We uh, we don't want, like I'm not going to leave George's body. Mm. And one of the priests actually demanded George to say um, like Jesus's name, but the demon would say, I am the devil. Demon would say, oh. Yeah, so if so the clergyman will be like, say say Jesus' name and then the demon in George will be like, I am oh. the devil. Yeah. <laughs> the demon also spoke and sung in a woman's voice, like this sort of love song, and even cursed as in like how do I explain the curse? Like like put a curse on people. Mm. Not like spitting out the F word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so cursed people. And then, um, all of a sudden, like, another demon, like, came forth with a different voice. So, it's, like, this switchy thing is incredibly, like, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. The demon would laugh manically and, like, bark at the priests. And not gonna lie, when I read this, I almost laughed. Because, like, can you imagine this dude, like, barking at you? <laughs> um, it, but, it sounds scary, though. I know, but, like, just, just imagine somebody going, bark, bark. And you will feel better. <laughs> yeah, that, that that one's kind of funny, lah. To think about. <laughs> That's how. Um, anyone out there who's afraid, just remember: bark, bark. <laughs> this bark. is therapy with Christiane when you're listening to scary stories. That scary stories. Scrollies. <laughs> Scrollies. Okay, but um, even though like the demon in George's body was like doing all this, the priests persisted so they continued to sing hymns in an effort to cast the demons out and they actually demanded that the demons leave and okay eventually a voice came out of george asking must i give up my power followed by hideous howling and then and then um another voice came and was like our master has deceived us and then asked where shall we go so the priests were like, to hell and return <laughs> no more to torment this man. I mean like, Abuden. That'd be like, scary though to think about. Right. Am I, am I using Abuden correctly? Abuden. Yeah, 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 you are. <laughs> Look at me. Oh my god. Using Singlish. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So this went on for two hours. So after two hours of praying and singing hymns, George suddenly announced... Blessed Jesus in his own voice and began to praise God. And after okay. that, George was completely fine. Never hmm. experienced another episode again. So basically, the exorcism was like successful. Um, so remember how he said like this, this, this story sort of became like very popular. Like there was a lot of press about it. Yeah. yeah. So because of this, um, this case actually received like a lot of criticism at that time. So a lot of like doctors and stuff believe that George was like an imposter and basically like faking, oh. yeah, faking the thing. Um, oh. and some people who actually witnessed like his, I guess like the first, um, episode. It was after the, the drunken night, right? They said that oh, you know, like this actually happened because he was like dead drunk, not because of like divine slapping. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also like the religious community who are like, oh no, it's a it's a miracle, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I guess at that point of time people were like starting to get more into like science, I guess. So it was like you have like two camps of people. The people who like believe more like sciencey stuff and people who believe more like supernatural, like divine things. So I guess that's what also made like this case get complicated because like you have one group of people who are just like, yeah, he's obviously faking it. It's some sort of illness. Then you have mm. another group of people who are just like, okay, but like there's some things that like, you cannot explain. So how are you going to explain that? It's obviously like divine in nature. Mm. But the thing is like after this entire thing, after the exorcism, like George lived like a regular life. Like he's, he was still religious. He had no seizures. He was like a respected member of like his community. And oh, like, that's... yeah, all, all was like well for George. Is there any buts? No, right? Oh, no, no, there's no buts. Okay. Yeah, there's a story of the possession of George Lukens. It's one of the more notable, notable, mm. um, demonic possessions and stuff. Mm. Yeah. But, okay, I so, would... you know, um, I've witnessed some, like, demonic possessions. 
before. Mm. And like, so, so the thing I find interesting about this story is like, you know, the speaking in different voices, like the barking, the convulsions and everything. Um, even the exorcism process where, you know, you have like the, 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 the priests like praying and asking the demon to like reveal itself and come out. Like all these things are things I've witnessed before. And like, mm. you know, say what you will. Uh, say you can argue that all this is like fake, it's a psychological disorder. But I feel like there's some things that cannot be explained in a certain way. So yeah, um, I know to not mess with demons. So anyone out there <laughs> with like a Ouija board or whatever that can like act as a portal to bring people like demons through, like I strongly suggest you like throw that out. But for some reason, I'm, like, not afraid of, like, stories of demonic possession. But tell me a good NS one and I'm, like, freaking out. Yeah, I wasn't even halfway through my story. Yeah. I'm really freaking out. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Something about NS stories <laughs> and, like, ghosts' encounters in general, like, frighten the living daylights out of me. I think because, like, stories of, like, demonic possession and stuff, it's, like, you you read about somebody else's... Um, view of it right whereas like if you were going to tell me an NS story it comes from like the perspective of the person who encountered it and I guess that makes it all the more real what about a demonic possession told by the person who experienced it I, I don't know I don't I don't know it like doesn't scare me <laughs> it just doesn't hey, that's weird. I guess it's also like you know um, like BuzzFeed Unsolved there's this thing where like uh-huh. Shane and Ryan and Ryan is like the terrified one and it's like if you are not afraid of it it cannot harm you because like you're just not afraid of it yeah so anyway mm-hmm. I know this doesn't make any sense but I'm just like more afraid of like ghost stories than these things yeah yeah I guess reasonable because you know it's I don't know, I feel like I you may have a figure associated with, like, demonic possessions and, like, because it's associated with the human body, but then, like, for ghost stories, it's yeah, like things maybe, you cannot maybe, see maybe. and phenomenons you cannot explain. Yeah, yeah. I guess that that's, like, an excellent way to put it. I guess with the fact that, you know, a demonic possession, there's, like, a physical vessel you can look at. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, once a person is, like, fine after it, it's like, oh, you know, this person is fine, you can see that it's the person is okay, but, like, because you don't really get that much. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. But at least now we know what kind of stories to cover if we want to scare Chris. <laughs> Stop! You can actually tell me anything and I'll be like, scared either way. Uh, no, I do not think so. <laughs> and it's also the way you but tell yeah, your story you- to like effectively scare Chris. Oh my god, yes, yeah. please don't. Please don't do what Honda did last week, which is like, <laughs> you lower your voice and you slow mm-hmm. down. <laughs> can you imagine if I did that <laughs> I wouldn't do that no you won't do that because you'd <laughs> no, be creeped up by yourself so they began to sing hymns George went no. into an episode immediately I think I would like click out I hope <laughs> myself on two times speed <laughs> <laughs> you probably would to be honest <laughs> yeah okay so that was my story some interesting stories there yeah yeah Actually, like, this, when I was, like, researching this, so I was, like, I really had no idea what to tell for this week's episode. And I was, like, oh, my gosh. So, I was actually, like, I literally Googled, like, ghost stories and stuff like that. And then, like, I Mm -hmm. came across this thing called the Shadow People. Or called, or, like, another name of it is called the Hat Man. And I was, like... The oh, hat yeah. man. Yeah. Isn't the hat man the one that you see in your sleep paralysis? Okay, no, no, no. Okay, I'm getting scared. No, I'm getting scared. We're not talking get about there, it. We're not talking there, about it. We're not talking about it. I actually wanted to talk blah, about blah, blah, it blah, blah, for blah. my first few stories. Okay, you know what? I regret bringing it up because, like, for some reason, I am now scared, okay? Um, yeah, no. It's quite f- interesting how everyone, not everyone, but people who experience sleep paralysis, they all see the same thing. Oh, um, it's a man with a top hat, like a big. Okay, you know what? I'm just gonna imagine the um scarecrow from House Moving Castle. That is the only thing with a top hat that I validate in my life. Alright. Isn't that even more creepier if you find that like Shut up, stop it. I'm scared. Okay. Jumping I'm scared in your now. house. Stop, I'm scared. Is that it's like white scary. green? Oh yeah, to people out there listening to us, um, 
Studio Ghibli movies give me nightmares. So House Moving Castle what? is one of my favorite movies, and I get nightmares every time I watch it. Um, what's the other? Spirited Away. Monarchy. Uh, no, oh. not Princess Okay, but um, Spirited Away gave me Why? nightmares. I remember the first time I watched it was in um, I think secondary school. We had like a viewing night, and I was. Uh, why? <laughs> I was totally fine when I watched it, but then I had nightmares. Um, I had nightmares yeah, watching. Why? I don't know. No don't face. Know. I freaking hate no face. People think he's cute he's and so stuff. Cute. But I'm so scared of him. I'm just so want the work. Afraid. No, because I think some of the um, animation and stuff gets a bit like creepy at times. Is it the rolling heads? No, it's mostly, it's mostly no face. I don't like no face. He's no. Cute. I mean, he gets his redemption at the end, but I'm just so scared of no face. <laughs> yeah, I I got nightmares watching Princess Mononoke. Oh my god, that friggin what's it called the 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 deer spirit or whatever it's called spirit of the forest mm-hmm. thingy. Mm-hmm. Princess Mon- oh, that still haunts me. <laughs> oh my god, so bad. That's my sleep paralysis demon. Just that weird looking deer thing, like that gaunt stare. Yeah. Oh of the my deer gosh. God. Yeah, there's something about those animations that like scare the living daylights out of me. So. Interesting. It's <laughs> kind of interesting. Yeah, that's my 10 cents. Get it like 2 cents. But I found it. Yes, I get it. Okay. I get okay, it. Chris. I get it. This is good. People like unsubscribing. Blocking <laughs> <laughs> us. <laughs> Alright. So this is it. We're done with today's stories. Woohoo! If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, do consider rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and clicking that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. As always, you can always drop us a DM or send us your personal stories you would like to share. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Food Panda, you listening? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Food Panda. Shen wants your promo codes. We all want your promo codes. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us this week. It was really Yeah, fun. thank you for listening, everyone. Stay safe. <laughs> cheers to a great week. Yeah, cheers <laughs> to a great week. Stay safe. Take care. And we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.